I join with Nathan and the other brethren in welcoming you here this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. If you're here visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you're an honored guest, and we'd encourage you to come and be back with us at any time that you're able to uh, come and worship with us. I'm going to ask you to do something if you're physically able to do it. If you're not, I'd encourage you to try anyway, but... Uh, if you're physically able, I want you to do what the board says right now, if you would. I, w- I want you to look up above your head. For all of you who were able to do that, I want to tell you that there's a, there's a couple of reasons because I know in listening to the, verse, the verses of the reading this morning, uh, it would be certainly easy for uh, your mind to take off and to assume what Franklin might be talking about this morning based on those scriptures, uh, and I hope that you'll focus on the words of the morning. And in talking about focus, I want you to focus on your walk with God. I want you to focus on God. I don't want you to focus on tomorrow or some event that may occur down the road in a few days. I don't want you to think about your current health or, or your current status or, or something in your life that's going on. For right now, I want you to focus on God. And I'll give you another thing about that looking up. If, uh, if at any point uh, in now or in the future you decide you're about to cry, then look up. Uh, I, I tell you that because uh, right before I got up here, uh, I said to my oldest daughter, um, you're not going to get to hear Daddy preach too many more times. You'll be in college next year. Uh, and it kind of hit in the last couple of weeks because she had her 18th birthday. And she's in her senior year of high school. And you know, I think about sometimes that I still feel like that little kid who was growing up and and, and some of the things that that I think and I see and I do. I remember when I was young, it was like yesterday. And yet, here's my little girl, 18. We call that grown up. We call that adult in this country. And she's my little girl. You know, in thinking about that uh, this morning, I want to talk about life. You know, Paul wrote in Romans, the 15th chapter and verse 4, For whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have So I want to encourage you this morning, and I want to encourage you in this way. I hope that when you leave here that you have a desire to read the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, oftentimes we as teachers, as preachers, will get up and we'll encourage you to read a specific verse or a parable or some portion of the Bible. And today I want to encourage you, and I hope that when you leave here you have a strong desire to read through Ecclesiastes. But I want to give you a warning about Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is written in a very dark way. 
You know, if you want to study Ecclesiastes, I'm going to tell you this. It's written from the perspective of a man who we would call very negative in his view of life. But Paul said that there was something about this book that was written so long ago that through patience and comfort of this book, we could have hope. I want you to look at Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 1 there. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to follow along. If you have a, an iPhone or an iPad or some uh, other device that you have a, a Bible app on there, I'd encourage you to follow along. I have all of the verses that I'm going to use except the one that I've already used, that being Roman, Romans 15 and verse 4. I have all the rest of them up here on the board. Um, as always, I would tell you that uh, I may not, my, my fingers in typing may not match what I'm reading on a screen, and so there might be some typos. Those are not in your Bible. They're somewhere from the Bible to my head and my head to my fingers when it went into the computer. So uh, I would ask you for a little forgiveness if, if you find any typos up here, uh, but that's life. In Ecclesiastes, the first chapter in verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Now, we could spend some time talking about who this was, what son of David, or what king of Jerusalem we were talking about here, but I want you to focus on a different word. I want you to focus on the word preacher. That word preacher means teacher. What does it mean to be a teacher? A teacher is someone who has some knowledge of a subject and he's going to share that knowledge of a subject with others. Imagine a teacher, if you will, who walks into a classroom and goes, honestly, I don't know anything. There's nothing I can give you. So if y'all could just sit here for a little while, just entertain me. Um, we have to be here for at least another hour and since we have to be here for another hour, just be who you are. That wouldn't make much sense, would it? Wouldn't make much sense at all. And yet in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, the first verse declares that whoever this is is speaking is in fact a preacher. That this person is in fact a teacher. And whatever knowledge a teacher has, we want to have. Whatever knowledge this teacher has that he's willing to share, we want it. Unless we get to verse 2. And here we've been told about this preacher, this teacher, if you will. And Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2 says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What do we know vanity to mean? What is vain? What is vanity? You know, we often talk about how one of the meanings of that term vanity is in fact worthlessness or uselessness. It's vain. It has no value. I want to tell you this word that is translated vanity here is a little bit different. 
If you look in Strong's and you go and study that word vanity that this teacher is talking about as he begins this lesson, he says, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That term vanity that is translated there means fleeting. It means temporary. It means vanishing away. It's pretty dark. If you don't understand what I mean by dark, here's what I'll say. This teacher gets up before you and I and says, it's absurd. Everything's absurd. Everything's useless. Everything's fleeting. All of it. All of life. You know what we call that? We call that you're being pretty negative but Paul said whatever this teacher was teaching when it was written a long time ago we could learn from with patience and comfort of this scripture I want you to understand this term vanity I want everybody to blow into their hand if they would and then hold on to it now open it up and show it to me that's useless. I didn't see anybody's. Did y'all not do it, right? Do you not understand? I mean, okay, so since you won't show me your breath, I tell you what, just reach up and, and grab some air, hold it in your hand, and show it to me. Everyone's failed. What's the deal? Can you not catch the wind? Is there something about breath that is so special that you can't even hold on to it? You know the fact that so many of you actually caught your breath. I thought it was neat. But when you think about it, it's kind of useless, right? It's as useless as trying to capture the wind and hold on to it and show it to somebody. You know what this teacher said? What you just did, that's life. Everything that we do is what you just did. In trying to capture your breath. In trying to capture the wind. In trying to capture a moment. And here's what the teacher said. The teacher said everything we do in life is just that. It's as useless as that exercise you just performed. You know, if you think he's too dark, I want to show you that there are some other biblical writers who were inspired to tell us the same thing. James wrote in James the fourth chapter in verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. You know what James said? James said, if you want to know how important your life is, the things that you do and the things that you say and the things that you do every single day, here's how important it is. It's as important as breathing into your hand and then trying to show it to somebody here for a little time and what happens it vanishes away 
Peter said it this way, 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 24, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falleth away. What happens to a plant? A plant is there for a moment. It grows up, and it is beautiful for a short time. And then you know what? It turns brown, and it's gone. And that flower you will never get back. Now the one that comes next year, if one comes next year, hopefully it will be beautiful too. But if we're just talking about this flower, this life, guess what? It's like grass. It's green and luscious and precious and beautiful and then it burns up and it's brown, and it's dead. James said it. Peter said it. And the teacher in Ecclesiastes said, that's life. When I look around, that's life. Everything about life is so temporary. No matter how good or how bad something is going, life is just that. It's fleeting. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Look at verse 3 so that we have this in perspective. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 3, he said, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? You know, when we read this verse of what this teacher is teaching, we read this verse in talking about the profit of labor. But I want you to focus on the words that I have underlined there. Under the sun. I hope that that phrase gives you some perspective of what this teacher is talking about. about where this study, if you will, in Ecclesiastes comes from. I will tell you that this phrase, if my counting was correct, and I hope it was because I did it twice and came up with the same number, uh, but if you put this phrase in and you look at how many times it happens in this lesson, in Ecclesiastes, the lesson that the teacher is going over, this phrase, under the sun, occurs 29 times. In 12 chapters. 29 times this teacher is talking about the things that happen under the sun. So what is he referring to? You know what he's referring to? He's referring to the things he can see. He's referring to the things he can touch. He's referring to the things that we can do. How many of us gauge our life based on what's happening under the sun? And I would dare say every single one of us. You see, what's the perspective of this teacher? I assure you, this teacher is not writing this book as a prophecy. There is no time in this book where he's taking the words of the Lord and passing them on to us. He didn't say, the Lord told me to tell you. 
This isn't some man who had some verse in mind that he's saying, let's go back to Moses and we talk about Moses. This is a man who's teaching you about his perspective of life every single day and what he's doing every single day and what he sees and what he thinks and what he feels and what he can touch. You know what the great thing about this lesson in Ecclesiastes is? Is that the writer is just like you and I. He's just like you and I in that he gets up, he does something, he sees something, he thinks something, and he writes it down to teach us about that. You might think, well, no, it's different, see, because... When I see and I touch, I always think about the perspective of Jesus Christ coming and giving his life on the cross. Good for you, because I dare say we don't all do that. If we all did that, see, we wouldn't have to have cool words like depression. We wouldn't have to have words like suicide. We wouldn't have to have words about things that we just can't put into words. So I would dare say that some of us here today, we see with human eyes. We feel with a human heart. And we live our life day to day, just like the writer of Ecclesiastes did. And I'll tell you, this warning is so important that it's continued throughout the scriptures. In fact, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If that was something that we just magically understood because Christ had gone to the cross and once we're obedient to his will, that we wouldn't need that warning. Paul wouldn't have had to write to a church in Corinth and say, hey, we got to remember to look at the things that are not seen because the things that are seen, they're temporary. They're like blowing into your hand and then actually trying to show it to somebody. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let's be clear about the warning Paul was given to the church at Ephesus. He was telling them, put on the whole armor of God. That there is armor of God that we need to put on every single day. That we need to prepare for life. Why? Because there, are, there is life outside of those things that we can see. Those things that we can touch. Those things that we can feel. There are things that are more important than the things we're worried about right now at this moment. I want you to notice what the writer of Ecclesiastes starts out to say. He says, one generation passes away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. 
the sun also rises and the sun goeth down and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirls about continually and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. I want you to notice what this man is teaching here. And I want you to think about the fact that here's what we all want to do. We all want to sit down with this teacher and preacher and go, Nuh-uh, I'll argue with you on that. See, there's great things in life. There really is. There's some really great things in life. You know what? There's, it's great watching certain things happen. It's great to have a feeling about life. It's great to have those things that you can go and you can do. That's the argument we want to have with this teacher. We really do. But I want you to notice what he says. He says, you know what? One generation comes, and not too long another generation comes in behind it. And not too long after that, guess what? There's another generation, and guess what's going to happen? That next generation is going to forget the generation before. And we want to go, "Uh uh-uh, not me. So let's do a little test here. Uh... And I want you to give me a show of hands if you know the names of your grandparents. By a show of hands. Now, by a show of hands, if you know the full names of your great-grandparents, I want a show of hands. You know, it's, it's fewer hands now. But let's go one further for those of you who are genealogy nerds because I was... Uh, born to a father who had a mother that was a genealogy nerd. Um, There were some of you who raised your hands on the full names of your great-grandparents. Now, I'd like you to go back three generations before that. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand if you can tell me the names of those grandparents, their birth dates, and the place of birth. We've got a genealogy nerd. We have two genealogy nerds. That's it. Now, if you could do all of those things, name all of those names, those dates of birth and place of birth without looking them up for me. Raise your hand. What? But hold on, we want to argue with this. See, because what we want to do is we want to sit down with this teacher and go, not me. Your negative life, not me. See, I know my grandparents. Generations are important. Genealogy is important. My family is important to me. You know what he said? Generation comes and generation goes. And unfortunately, guess what? The next generation forgets the last generation. And we proved it here this morning. Now I want you to notice what he does from there. He says, hey, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this from this perspective. What does the sun do? You know what the sun does? Wait, let me get my bearings here. Okay. The sun starts in the morning. Notice I'm pointing east. The sun starts in the morning. Every single day, it crosses the sky. And it goes down right out there. Where does it go? It goes right where he said it did. You know what? It hastes back to its place. And tomorrow morning, it's going to come up right over there. I'm going to tell you the weird thing about that. 
It's been doing the same thing for 42 years. I can testify to that. I'm sure some of y'all would say, no, it's been going for 63 years like that at least. It's been going for 80 years like that at least. Well, I can only testify to 42, and I can tell you for 42 years it's come up right over there, and it's gone right overhead, and it's gone right down over there, and tomorrow morning, you know what's going to happen? It's going to come up right over there, and it's going to go up overhead, and it's going to come right over there, and it's going to keep going like that every single day. Good grief, 42 years of that. Talk about burnout. That's what he said. He said, that's, that's all it's going to do every single day. It's going to come up right over there. You know what? There's not going to be a single day that you're going to wake up and go, you know what? I want to see it come up right over here. You know why? Because it's going to come up over here, and it's going to go up overhead, and it doesn't matter how cool you want it to be. That's what it's going to do. He said, you know what? You know, let me tell you about the wind. You see, the wind's going to blow, and in fact, it's going to blow this way, and it's going to go blow that way, and it's going to come back, and it might turn and go south, and it might go a different way, and it's going to follow a circuit, and guess what? You're not going to be able to catch it any better. It's just going to do what it does. Wow. You want to talk about negative? This teacher just said, you know what? You ain't going to change the sun. The sun's going to do what the sun does every single day. And every single night, it's going to rush right back over there so you know where it's at. And the wind's going to be the same way. And he says, all the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And he says, you know what, all of nature does the same thing. All the seas come to a point, and guess what? It's never filled up. It's just water. It's like that sun. It comes up over there. It goes overhead. It, you know what? The water's the same way. That's life. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new, it hath been already of old time which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come, and those that shall come after. Now, now we have something that we can actually argue with this teacher about. I wonder how many of us right now are thinking about things that might make that not true. I mean, this teacher did say there's nothing new under the sun, and we all know that's wrong, right? Because he started with this idea. He started with this premise. He started with this overall lesson saying, here is life. It's vanity. It's fleeting. It's useless. And we don't want that to be correct. We want better. We want smarter. We want easier. And so as we think, what could we sit down with this teacher and say, you know, you were wrong there. There are new things under the sun. In fact, I have one here. Solomon or whoever else you want to talk to. Guess what, teacher? I have one of these. See, because he couldn't have been thinking about technology. Well, let's play that out. I want to go back to Adam and Eve. 
If we go back to Adam and Eve, there was a point where God cast them out of the garden. What happened next? Where did they go? You ever thought of that? Where did they go? They get kicked out of the garden. Here they are standing outside the garden going, whoa, this is life. Whoa. Do you think they stepped outside that garden and went, whoa, this is scary. I tell you what, we're going to pitch our tent right here. We're going to have our family right here. We're not ever moving from right here because everything out there is scary. Tomorrow is scary, so we're going to stay right here. That's a little absurd, so I'm going to put a different spin on it. They got out of that garden, and at some point they decided they had to go somewhere. How would they get there? You ever thought of that? Thousands of years ago, how did people get somewhere? I don't think they could. There's no way. I'll tell you there's no way because here's the thing. Adam and Eve had to have sat there and gone, let's walk. We know they didn't ride a horse. Cars were a few years down the road. So Adam and Eve had to sit out and get somewhere before they got there. Now let's move ahead a little bit. Because at some point, it went from Adam and Eve's way of walking somewhere and getting there to somebody going, oh, wait a minute, wait. If you look right up there, there's a star. And you know what? Every single night I've noticed that that star always comes out right up there. I bet if we go toward that star, we might find our way to where we're going. And then at some point they said, whoa, whoa, hold on. I don't need Solomon to tell me that there's a big burning star that comes up right over there. And at some point midday, it's right up there. You know what? I bet we can use that for directions. And then at some point... Man, when I'm going to tell you what, y'all are doing it wrong because here's the thing. I've got this little device. It's called a compass. Anybody still use a compass when they go traveling? Anybody do that? Click, click, click. See, the funny thing is when I was in Scouts, we learned how to use a compass, and I'm kind of like, why? Well, now I know why. So I'd have this lesson this morning. But you know, there was some point where some guy sat down and he went, okay, you know what? My name is Rand or McNally. And I tell you what, I'm going to put blue roads and red roads and some green roads on a piece of paper. And we're going to call it a map. And you can have a whole book of maps. It's called an atlas. And you know what you can do? You can do what Adam and Eve couldn't. And what those boys watching them stars couldn't. And you know what? You just open this book. And as long as you go the right way down the red road. And you turn right on the blue road. You're going to get where you're going. You know then a cool thing happened. And they came out with a GPS. Uh, one of them was called a Tom Tom. And you know the Tom Tom. It would even tell you when you need to turn around. and Make a U-turn. But you know what? That wasn't good enough. Somebody had to come up with 
a full-blown computer where I don't need your Rand McNally. And I certainly don't need your compass. But here's what I can do. All I have to do is plug in the name of a place or a city or any other random thing. And guess what it'll say? It will tell you to keep going and it will announce to you you've arrived at your destination. Could life be any easier than that? When you think about it in this term, I'm going to tell you what this teacher would say about your little iPhone. This teacher would go, your life is absurd. That now the only way we get where we're going is to let some computer voice announce that we got there. You know, that's what he meant. He meant, you know, there's a lot of things that make life easier. And there are a lot of things that make life feel good. And there are a lot of things that make it seem as though you're smarter now. But I, I want you to know about all that time and worry and frustration and heartache and annoyances. When you gather it all up, you know what you got? Vanity. Fleeting uselessness. So now what? If life is useless, if life is fleeting, if this time on earth is nothing but a vapor, what's the use? Now what? So let's let the study answer that question for us. Now I want you to imagine here, and, and we, we could argue, it would be useless if we did, but we could argue that that's not correct, that that's a, a, a bad rendering of this. But uh, I assure you the words mean this. Um, these next few words actually are different from the writer. Okay? The writer of the lesson is giving his perspective, and this is more of a narrator who's saying, okay, now let me tell you about what the preacher said, okay? And here's what they say in Ecclesiastes 12, and here's the reading of the morning. Ecclesiastes 12 said, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge, yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. So here's what the narrator says about that teacher that we talked about in the beginning, about that teacher who was being so negative. Here's what he said. He said, I want you to listen to that teacher. I want you to know something about those teacher's words. Those teacher's words were true. Those teacher's words were upright. Those te teacher's words were full of wisdom. I want you to listen to what that teacher said. Verse 11, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Here's what, the, here's what he said. He said, I want you to know about those preacher's words. I want you to know about those teacher's words. The things that teacher said are true. They're upright. 
The words that he said are full of wisdom. They're full of knowledge. They're full of understanding. And in fact, you need to be admonished by them. And here's the hard thing about things that are true, things that are wise. They're like goads. We would call that like a sticker. It's like walking barefoot through the grass and you get something that causes a lot of pain and you got to stop and you got to get it out right now. I think the easy way of saying it is this, the truth hurts. And that's what he said. He said, you know, some of the truths he brought out here, some of those truths hurt. When you go back and study, I, I, I want you to look that there aren't just a whole lot of upbeat, happy, positive things in Ecclesiastes. There are a few. But for the most part, they're just truths that just kind of hurt. He brings out truths that sometimes the righteous suffer. That sometimes good people suffer pain. That sometimes bad people flourish. That sometimes bad people get time and chance to happen. They get the blessings. They're facts of life. And then he says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty or the whole of man. You know, we've heard those words a lot. But when you put them in context of the lesson, what do they mean? For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I want you to think about these in context of this lesson. Not my lesson, not the lesson you're hearing today but the lesson that was given in Ecclesiastes. You know what the writer said? The writer said life is tough. Life is as tough as trying to catch a breath and then show it to somebody. It's gone. It's vanishing. It's short. All of your accolades, all of your successes in the grand scheme of things, what do any of those matter? You're not going to change the route of the sun. You're not going to change the wind. All of life is vanity. And the narrator said, listen to his words. His words are true. His words are wisdom. And even though his words are true, even though his words are wisdom, even though life is vanity, fear God and keep his commandments see Paul said it this way let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised life's tough Tomorrow could be tough. Tomorrow may not go the way we want it. Tomorrow may not go the way we hope. But one day there will be a tomorrow that if we're faithful, we'll be with the one who promised. The one who could not lie. 
the one who gave us life and breath and meaning. If you're not a child of God this morning, you have an opportunity to be obedient to his gospel, to be buried with him in baptism, washed in the blood of the Savior who gives us hope, who gives us that tomorrow. Fear God and keep his commandments. If you are a child of God and there's something that we can pray with you or for you, we'd ask you to come forward, have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.